0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford, joined by my partner in crime, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, the 2022 NFL draft is just two days away, the first round just two days away at the time that we are taping this. How does that uh, that hype song go? Y'all ready for this? (laughs) Like that's how it starts, right? I mean, here we go, right? The Packers enter... The, this three-day drafting extravaganza with 11 picks, and the eyes are really on the top of this draft for the Packers because Green Bay, as a result of the Devontae Adams trade to the Raiders, the Packers have two first-round picks, two second-round picks. The numbers are 22 and 28 in the first round, 53 and 59 in the second round. Um, This could be a draft unlike one we have seen in Green Bay for quite some time, my friend. March 18th, 2022,
1: I was walking into Barnes & Noble somewhere in Green Bay. I assume you were getting a foot massage. That's when the reports (laughs) came out that Devontae Adams was going to be traded. And and here's the thing, Michael. Since that moment, and since the time in which it was made official, I might have botched it. It might have been March 18th that it was actually made official. March 17th, the report came out. Since the time that that was made official, the question has been, so what are the Packers going to do in this draft? Right. They have four picks in the top 59, the first time since the merger that that's ever happened if they end up picking in those spots. They have obvious needs at multiple positions, but maybe not so much so that it's like, okay, well, they have to take a certain player at this spot. But there's so many areas that have made this a compelling draft from – The prospects involved to the fact that it's been 20 years since the Packers have drafted receivers in the first round, the fact they have guys replaced on the offensive line, the defensive line, and that has created this cloud of really questions that we've been seeing at Insider Inbox, that we've seen on Twitter, and everybody has had an opinion on what the Packers should do. Well, Michael, in two days' time, at the time in which we're taping this, we will finally get some answers.
0: Yeah, well... It's interesting. You go back to that, to the moment that Devontae Adams was traded. And at that time, and this is interesting when you talk about exactly what are the Packers' needs, right? Because at the time that Adams was traded, if you had said, okay, what are are the Packers' biggest needs in this draft? Everybody would have said, obviously, wide receiver on the offensive side and defensive line, right? But then in as we talked about on our last show, in classic, typical Brian Gutekunst fashion, what does he do between the start of free agency and the draft? Yep, he signs Jaron Reed, a veteran, to come in on the defensive line. He signs Sammy Watkins, a veteran, to come in and help out at wide receiver, putting him in a position with all this draft capital at the top of the draft, putting him in a position where. He doesn't have to say, all right, on Thursday night, I have to get a receiver. I have to get a defensive lineman because, as we mentioned on our last show, if the Packers had to play a game on May 1st, they have the players to go and play the game, right? Brian Gutekunst is always going to make the draft about the future investment, not necessarily, or he doesn't force himself into – paint himself into the corner so to speak of the draft having to be about the here and now and about week 1 of the upcoming season. So that's where we are. When I look at when I look at the Packers roster needs in in this draft, I break them down into into sort of two tiers. To me the top tier is it's still wide receiver and defensive line, yeah. I think, but also offensive tackle and then edge rusher. Yep. Offensive tackle, if the, as we talked about previously, if the Packers go in with David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Yash Naiman at right tackle, you're still going to need somebody to back up those spots. You, you, you want to have a, a young, developing player who could fill in if, uh, if injuries were to strike again? Edge rusher, the Packers have. Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. But who do they have after that? There are a lot of question marks, a lot of unproven players. Maybe you draft, uh, uh, you know, invest a high, uh, high pick in this draft to fortify the edge rusher position. So those are the four spots for me that are that are sort of like the tier one of the roster needs. But then also, safety, cornerback, inside linebacker, tight end, I think all of those are also in play for the Packers. Maybe not necessarily in the first round, but certainly come Friday night starting in the second round, I think those those positions come into play. My point is that the way this sets up for Brian Gutekunst at this point with the four picks in the top 60, they're a- aside from taking a quarterback, a running back or a specialist, no position drafted within those top four picks that he has would necessarily surprise me based on how the Packers are currently constructed.
1: Because I think what you outlined there is the fact that Green Bay has a certain amount of needs that I think a lot of that was brought on by the changes this offseason. Yep. Devontae Adams trade, Zedaria Smith being released um not having another guy and another Rashawn gary kind of hand-picked in that role behind
0: billy turner being released, billy turner uh, being released creates the well. needed offense lucas attacker. patrick going right
1: so i mean like there there are areas where they lost but by and large they have depth at all these positions the way that this roster is fortified there are bodies at all these positions cornerback you have a you have three guys you put up probably against anybody safety Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage are going to be together for their fourth straight year. That rarely happens in the NFL. So from that perspective, it is about building depth. But what makes it so compelling is the fact that there are five picks in the first two days that Green Bay is slated to make right now. There are four picks in the top 59 that they are slated to make. And we saw what happened in 2019 when Green Bay had two picks And the what you know, the ways in which Brian Gutekunst can move around depending on how the board falls. Somebody's going to fall, Mike. One of these receivers, maybe one of the edge rushers, maybe a safety. We've even seen, you know, maybe an inside linebacker. Somebody Maybe, maybe even a
0: defensive lineman just because you, you, you just don't know that this, this draft feels as unpredictable as any that we've and, entered in a long time.
1: And it's not because, well, that player isn't good enough. It's because I think there really is a wide array of talent that's all kind of pretty much the same outside of that top six or seven players. Then the real question also becomes how many quarterbacks get taken before the Packers go on the board at 22. There aren't going to be as many as these past few years, but those quarterback spots ultimately are the ones that end up leading to a skill position player falling or a defensive lineman falling. Again, enhancing the options for the Packers once they go on the board.
0: Yeah. Well, in talking about some of these some of these positions of need and we will just have to see how the draft falls. And also with regard to Guttekunst and his options with the draft capital that he has, I mean, he could move up, he could move down, he could do both uh, within both Thursday night and Friday night. There's no way of knowing exactly how this is going to go. But with regard to the wide receiver position, that's the one everybody wants to talk about. Is there a guy or guys that, uh, that might've, struck your fancy here as, uh, as this draft has gotten closer?
1: The cool thing is, Mike, the more you dive into it, the more you like basically all these options in the top 50. Um, because every single one of them offers something different. If yep. you want a six-foot guy like Chris Alave that isn't t- your typical type of receiver that Green Bay has drafted, or, you know, a Christian Watson. You know, you have the George Pickens kid that, you know, everyone knows about guys that have a little bit more size. You're the one, and I've joked about it, but it's actually true. You're the one that drove the Traylon Burks, you know, train, and that whistle caught my attention too, because the more you see this kid, and the more you realize what he did at Arkansas and how they turned things around this season, he seems more and more to me like a Green Bay Packer type player. The question is whether or not he's there at 22. Right. And right. the the thing that, that that's going to have to get decided before the Packers, probably even remotely on near the clock. Is Jamison Williams? Is a team willing to take him with the ACL concerns? Does he go ten? You know, as some people have mocked him to the Jets.
0: Yeah, it's funny because because when when he toured the ACL in the national championship game, and in the the early stages after that, it was like, oh, maybe Jamison Williams, you know, will be there at the top of the second round for yeah. somebody, you know, and then then it was like, oh, well. Yeah, these teams at the bottom of the first round, you know, the Packers have these two picks. They have a need at wide receiver. Maybe they would take Jamison Williams even though he wouldn't obviously be ready to go right away as a rookie. The more time has gone on, the more Jamison Williams has climbed up yeah. to the spot or at least cl- much closer to the spot in the draft where he would where he would be getting picked if he had never gotten hurt. Um yeah. I think the only the the question is He's probably not going to be the first receiver off the board, which he most likely would be if he hadn't gotten hurt. But it sure doesn't sound like he's going to last much no. past the maybe the fourteenth or fifteenth pick or something like that. Whereas stuck. a couple of months ago, there was a there there was a whole different narrative with regard to where Jamison Williams might be available.
1: So the question naturally becomes where does Williams fall? I think Drake London and, and Wilson will both be off the board. By they get to that point. I just feel the reason I bring up Williams is I feel like that's gonna be the one that really decides how far Burks falls. Yeah. Because I think once that that wave starts with the receivers, I think that's gonna carry through a little bit. Um and then you look a little bit farther down, I, I really love the Sky Moore kid in addition to having a fantastic name. You know, there's some questions about with him and Watson, the the competition uh involved in that, but but certainly I, I think he's another guy. Doesn't have the traditional size Green Bay looks for, but I, I just I love the way he performed. They've had success in the past, obviously, with Western Michigan recruits. And then I, I just got to give the shout-out to the kid, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. He's yeah. probably going to end up being a day two, three-ish type pick out of Cincinnati. But, one, he has the common bond there with Matt LaFleur. There's a lot of connections on that Cincinnati staff to LaFleur. They've already dipped into that well before with Josiah DeGuara. But the kid loves the Packers. So I mean, you can't ever go wrong with a guy that you know. I think he grew up in whatever it was, Illinois. But yet he grew up a Packers fan. Just a remarkable backstory, in addition to the fact that he has some of those type of attributes that Green Bay likes.
0: Yeah, it's interesting for for those who have been following the uh, our our prospect primer series that we've been doing for the for the past month on the website, and obviously, if you've been following inbox, I've said, and I'm not saying this as a as a scout, as a talent evaluator. I'm just talking as the as as the uh the interested observer, right, who looks into these things a little bit. The two receivers in this draft that for whatever reason they they they've struck my fancy as I like to say are Traylon Burks from Arkansas and Christian Watson from North Dakota state. Yeah. I just I I like the bigger receivers. Burks is 62 225 yet at 225 he ran a 455. In the forty, now yes, he's not a four three burner like a Chris Olave or a Garrett Wilson. But that's Wilson, not the
1: way they have done but, things here either over the
0: right, years. Right, but but at, at two hundred and twenty five pounds, yep. a four five five is not exactly slow. No, Christian Watson, six foot four, two hundred eight pounds. Now he did run in the four threes. So this is a this is a taller guy, r- rangier guy who also does have the speed. What I'm what what I'm curious about though, as you mentioned with Burks, will he be there at twenty two, or is he going to go sooner than that? Um, I think that could that could certainly go either way. with Watson, I start to wonder the more I read about it is is drafting him in the first round a little bit too rich. Yeah. but then with the Packers not picking until 53, 59 in the second round, is he going to be there at the end of the second round? I think that becomes a big question mark um, because it's because it seems that he's maybe a bottom of the first round guy, but more likely a top half of the second round guy and then he's not there. Uh, in the fifties, if the Packers are waiting for him to drop that far,
1: do you know who he reminds me of? Not not from a makeup standpoint. This reminds me of Jordy Nelson, because I, I if if they get him at twenty two or twenty eight, I'm not saying he's gonna. I think he's gonna be a good pro, but you wonder about the value. The Packers had with those two second round picks. I mean, with the math I was doing, with all these picks they have, Brian Gutekunst. Depending, regardless of what happens on on Thursday night he can do anything he wants in the second round. They can go up into the top three of the second round if they want to yeah. with, with pairing up some of these picks. That's where it gets interesting with me with Watson. If that's a guy that you can take at 35 or 36, I really like that value. And, and it's not to take anything away. NDSU is one of the preeminent powers in that division of football. They've won how many national championships over the last 20 years? But you, you, that, that's the only thing holding me back from it. It's just this game is different. And, and playing yep. at that level and creating separation is different. Yep. You it's when you have options like Burks, when you have options like Pickens. These guys have played in the SEC. They've seen the very best that college football has to offer. That's why, to a lot, me, a to lot me. of
0: DBs who are going to have their names exactly. called this weekend. Yeah, no, I, I hear yeah, I I hear exactly. But I love what him you're...
1: too. He has everything. He's how you draw yeah. it up if you're creating a yeah. player on Madden. Yeah, he has everything you want in a receiver. It's
0: funny though that you would mention you mentioned Jordy Nelson pick 36 from 2008. And it's funny that you had mentioned that because for all this talk about are, are the Packers going to draft a wide receiver in the first round for the first time since 2002 yep. with Javon Walker. Packers have had such a great track record of success with second round draft picks. Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Greg Jennings, Randall Cobb, right? Who was the highest, the highest pick of those second rounders was Jordy Nelson at 36. And almost the it, I don't know whether you'd want to call it the big coincidence or the big irony or whatever, but if Brian Gutekunst trades to the 36th spot to take a wide receiver, that would that would almost like put a bow on this entire discussion we've been having. It really would. Um, For the entire offseason. Before we get to some other positions, I do want to take care of our sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub-in-a-bowl Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, I want to get some of your thoughts, Wes, on on guys, just guys you've looked at or you're curious about, uh, both on the defensive line and at the edge rusher spot, because yeah. um, uh, I know in discussions that we've had, a guy that I really like on the defensive line, though again I don't know if he's going to be there, is Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. There are yeah. these, you know, three guys on that defensive front from Georgia. Trayvon Walker's being talked about as possibly number the number one. one overall pick now, ahead of both Thibodeau and Hutchinson, the the uh, the edge rushers from Oregon and Michigan, respectively. So Trayvon Walker might go number one. There's Jordan Davis, the 340 pound, you know, run stuffing nose tackle who uh, ran a sub 4.840 at 340 pounds at the combine, which was which was stunning. But with Wyatt. <laughs> Why it's 304 pounds? He's not a small guy, and yet his 40 time was very similar to Jordan Davis. Now running a 4.77 40 at 304 pounds is no is no easy trick. So he's a guy that I've had that I've had my eye on. But again, will he be there at uh, at 22 for the Packers to be able to jump on him? I don't know. Another one that I did a prospect primer on: Travis Jones from UConn, um, six foot four, 325 pounds you know, UConn, again, there's that competition level. And this is a guy that's maybe being talked about more in the second round, but will he last all the way towards the end of the second round? It's really hard to say. But yet at the senior bowl, the offensive linemen at the senior bowl voted him the toughest guy that they faced in the drills all week long. So that says something about, you know, the the, the, the pedigree that he has, even with all the questions about I'm coming from UConn as opposed to a Power 5 conference. So those two guys, Devontae Wyatt, Travis Jones, those are, those are two that I have my eye on on the defensive it's line. It's actually
1: Travis Jones is the one that started to make me look more into the defensive line and kind of shifted my thought to, that seems like that's a position they could potentially take on day two. Uh, that's a position that maybe in the second round. And trust me, man, the, every position is a gamble. It's a big gamble once you start to move back on defensive linemen because you're, you're starting to lose some of the attributes that you're, you're looking for in three down players. You're Kenny Clarks of the world. That's why in my mind, I mean, Jordan Davis won't be there, so it really has centered on Wyatt. And if Wyatt is there at 22 or 28, if they want to take him there, I, I see a lot of those carryover type attributes with Wyatt that we saw in Kenny Clark in 16. Yep,
0: that's that's kind of that's kind of where I am. In too. the
1: transition that they've made during that time with their defensive lineman, he seems to fit the bill a little bit more for what Green Bay is looking for. If Wyatt's there, I I, I like that pick. I like his pedigree. I like what they accomplished uh, at Georgia last year. And then if he's not, then I mean, there's right now what Mike CBS Sports has eight, nine different guys that could be on day two at that position. Looking at edge is where I fell in love with George Karloftis.
0: Yeah, you've, and been, you've been talking about the Purdue now, the Purdue edge rusher for a while now.
1: I've missed on some of these guys, the, these guys that have unique backstories uh, on the defensive line. I mean, it's not it's not always cut and dry here. You're taking a little bit of a risk um, with Karloftis and, and what he's going to be able to provide at the next level. Certainly, you were the first one to point out to me Last year at Purdue, once the adjustments were made, then his production kind of dipped a little bit when teams started ISOing on him a little bit. But what do we always talk about? We talk about when you're at the end of the first round, you are looking for 8- to 10-year NFL football players with a Pro Bowl-type ceiling, but maybe not guaranteed. Karloftis checks that box for me because as much as you want Preston Smith to play 80% of the snaps and as much as I thought Rashawn Gary last year showed that he can handle a full starting complement of reps, they need someone to round out that rotation.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And Karloftis, the the first report I read on him, I wish I could remember who did it because it was a great scouting report, they drew the comparison to Ryan Kerrigan, and I see that in him. You wish he was just maybe an inch or two taller. You wish he had maybe a year or two <laughs> more experience on at, at playing defense. You know, he's a guy that came over with his mom, his dad passes away, uh, and, and starts playing football at a late age. But my goodness, when you turn on the film of him at Purdue – and you and I even talked about it. How often has there been a, an elite Purdue edge rusher that we can recall? There, there haven't been a lot of them. Yeah, there, there's just so much to like about the kid, and the Packers do have a need there at edge rusher. To me, now that Jaron Reed is in a Packers uniform, maybe even more so than on the defensive line. Yeah,
0: and when you look at when, when you look at the film on Karloftis, Loftus, as much as you know, um, as you mentioned in our previous discussion about how, yes, his production dropped off his his last year at Purdue, but. The guy was—I mean—the guy was double-teamed and triple-teamed yes. because because he was the one guy on the Purdue defense that everybody game-planned for, and let's be honest, it was the Purdue defense. There wasn't there wasn't a whole lot for uh, for other Big Ten offenses to have to worry about, and yet in the midst of all that, George Karloftis was still a high-impact player because of the way teams had to try to deal with him. And, and that's what's on the film. And that's why, even though he didn't have that final year in college with 15, 17 sacks or whatever, that he's still being talked about very much as a first-round pick and a guy that, again... I, I've seen projections where maybe he goes in the top fifteen. Other projections where he's there not only at twenty-two but maybe even at twenty-eight uh, towards the end of the first round, if the if the Packers are so inclined in that respect. Another guy similarly that I've seen projected kind of all over the board, a little bit higher maybe than Carl Loftus. But when I started doing the prospect primers and looking at guys who back in March were being projected as as back half of the first round Jermaine Johnson yeah, the edge I, rusher from Florida State it was there there were all sorts of places where he was being slotted anywhere from you know 16 down to 25 or 27 something like that but now all of a sudden as we've gotten closer to the draft it seems like Jermaine Johnson is being talked about more as as a top 15 if not even a top 12 pick in this draft and as much as uh i think Brian Gutekunst certainly has the ability to move around and to move up if he wants to i'm not sure if i see Gutekunst if he does make a move up in the first round i'm not sure if i see him making a move up say into the top 12 like to me yeah. the the first dozen picks i think are going to go by and i don't really see the packers getting all that involved but once you get to pick like 13 or 14 or 15 if Gutkowski has his eye on somebody who's still there, who's not picked in the in the top twelve, that's where I could see the the phones really start to buzz and, and say, hey, okay, what's what's it going to cost? What's it worth to to go up and get this guy? And I'm not saying that they would make that move for Jermaine Johnson. It could be for a yeah. wide receiver. It could be for a defensive lineman, whatever. But uh, um, but again, it's it's a position that the Packers have to start not, not only having that rotation as you mentioned for now, but also looking toward uh, uh, looking toward the future. You'd love to get the next Rashawn Gary in this yeah. draft if you can, right? Yeah,
1: and I think the point you're making there that I think is really astute is that it, that's where it's going to get really interesting of what's on the board at 15, 16. Yes. The, the spots where it's not going to take a lot to potentially move up or compared to you know trying to get into the top 12. Right,
0: where where, where if Kunst wants to move up, he doesn't have to give up the second first-round yes. pick. It's more of like, okay, I'm going to trade one of the second rounders to yep. move up a half-dozen spots yeah. or something in, like that.
1: And Johnson's a guy, Mike. I completely wrote him off in terms of what we were looking at as far as the Packers potentially you know, uh, drafting, just because I didn't think he'd be there. And he may not. He may not even be anywhere close to 22. But ACC Defensive Player of the Year, you know, 12 sacks last season. Kid was born, you know, he's born from Minnesota. I mean, Eden Prairie. I mean, he's he has the local ties there too. Uh, th- th- and that's where this is going to get interesting because now the Packers have to start weighing guys that could be a Rashawn Gary where it's like he may not start right away. He may not play 500 snaps right away. Right. But look at what that investment in Gary three years ago has done for them now with having to, to move on from Z'Darrius Smith because of the back and the money. And now you have a guy that I think you feel really good about going into the season with compared to, okay, we need to have a receiver in this room. That That's where the questions start to come up a little bit.
0: Yeah. The other one I think at edge rusher that's going to be interesting to see what happens um, is, uh, is David Ojabo, if I'm saying yeah. the last name correctly, the guy from Michigan who unfortunately blew out his Achilles on Michigan's pro day. And that's obviously... You know, going to damage his draft stock, but then the question is, how far, how far does he fall? Um, You know, maybe somebody still takes him late in the first round maybe he's still there all the way late in the second round where the Packers would go, okay, yeah, we're not going to be able to expect much because of that injury, you know, here as a rookie, but, um, you know, but is this guy worth, um, you know, that it's, it's, it's not quite the same injury situation as Jamison Williams at wide receiver that we talked about, but yet there's some similarity in, in that there's just, there's so much uncertainty as to as to how teams are going to value a player like that, that, if, the, if there were a completely clean bill of health you know the players being valued here uh, but because of the health questions there are all sorts of different opinions as to as to exactly what it's worth in this draft to uh, to, to get that
1: guy. and so many times Mike it really does seem like when you have an elite prospect that is coming off a devastating injury more often than not, they're able to make it back. I think back to Miles Jack, you know, with Jacksonville a number of years ago where people were like, you know, they weren't sure if this kid's going to be able to play in the NFL based on that injury he had, and then there he was. I mean, obviously, Jalen Smith went through that. Willis McGahee had the running back position. Those things do happen. Yeah. The thing that's different about this young man that I feel for him is the pro day aspect of it. You're seeing these videos already of Williams. I mean, he's already running and cutting and all these things because he's so far out now, three, four months out. And then it, it's different when it happens at a protein because now it really does legitimately yeah, was, throw the rookie year into question.
0: Yeah, it was and it was it's right and, it's right up against the. it's right up against the draft as opposed to an injury from January.
1: And this is completely unfair to him, but it's weird that we've actually gotten to the point now where a receiver tears his ACL and it's not really a huge deal breaker for me anymore. I, I you feel like they can make it back from that. There's something about that darn Achilles, though, that always kind of makes my stomach rumble. Yep. Just because you're never too quite sure, because it's not just about them coming back, it's what is it taking out of the explosivity of the athlete. And, and that's, that's one thing, too, you got to kind of monitor. That's a pretty yeah. devastating injury, in addition from the pain aspect, but also the rehab.
0: Yeah. Well, before we go, I want to get your thoughts uh, on any any names regarding offensive linemen, specifically offensive tackles. To go forever I think on this one. Yeah, because I think that's a, that's certainly a position the Packers are going to be looking very, very strongly at. Um, we were talking before we turned the cameras on about the uh, the Central Michigan, uh, Bernard Bernard Raymond. Yep. Yeah, hopefully I'm saying that did. correctly. Um, originally from Austria, comes over to the United States, um, as a, a foreign exchange student, originally, if I'm not mistaken, um, ends up ends up taking up football. Um, goes back to his home country, but then comes back to America to play college football. Starts out as a tight end, gets converted from tight end to offensive tackle. And the question the question with uh, with this young man is because of you know because of his his background and just how things developed and converting from tight end there's a um, there's a lot of excitement as to just how good he might be because he's barely getting started right but now we're also hearing some things just as the draft is approaching that there might be some there might be something that popped up on a medical scan or something like that so just where this uh, offensive tackle from Central Michigan is going to go, and how teams are valuing him, I think, is going to be interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, I, I love that aspect of the tight end position because I think there's a lot to be said for that. You're seeing that more and more too, uh, specifically in these kind of situations. Not not with the foreign exchange, but in terms of a a max school that they get a guy, they feel really good about him as an athlete, they get him in there, and it's like, okay, well, maybe this guy could be the way he's developing. Maybe he could be an offensive lineman. And I like what that tight end position sometimes teaches those kids because there it happens a lot more than you think in terms of, guys that end up making that switch. Certainly again, we have to see it just came out and I, I don't know how credible the reporting is on it, but it, it's yeah. another thing. It's it's these these things that'll kinda of pop up Yeah, the week. Yeah, these,
0: thing, these things that pop up in the last 48, 72 hours before the draft that, that uh it's like you wonder, okay, is there some truth to it? Is is it uh is it just something completely off the mark? Is it maybe not as bad as it's yeah. being reported? Like we really we really don't know. But uh with regard to the Packers, we know we know the first, you know, three or four offensive tackles in this draft are gonna get taken very, very high. They aren't they aren't really in range for the Packers unless Brian Gutekunst decides to make a major, major yeah. move. Um so those guy those guys are are, you know, projected to go in the top, you know, eight, nine, ten picks of this draft. But there's a there is a, a group of offensive tackles that expected to be available in the back half of the first round I think Raymond is one of them Tyler Smith from Tulsa yep. is another one I was talking to Larry about him because Larry did the the prospect primer video on him and you know Tyler Smith six foot five 324 pounds he just turned 21 years old um he Larry Larry described him as a mauler he's an absolute mauler of an offensive lineman but incredibly raw um green as grass as they say as far as you know the technique the refinement the pass blocking part of things so a really intriguing prospect there who's probably going to be available um in uh in the latter half of the first round but uh, again a 21 year old that just how high is the ceiling and that's what uh, that's what the scouts get paid for right to try exactly. to figure out how much these guys are potentially worth
1: and it's weird because you look at those guys up front a lot of a lot of scc kids some, some big 10 kids it's these guys in the back that it's just their backgrounds are all over the place i mean you talk about smith being from tulsa trevor penning you know the big kid yeah. from northern northern iowa, iowa. yeah if you would put him on iowa not Northern Iowa. No disrespect to Northern Iowa. Great school, but like I'd be like, this is the Packers type pick. When you look <laughs> at his pedigree, his background, what he played in college, the level at which he played it, and the size—Mike, six foot seven, three hundred twenty pounds—everything you look for. I don't know how this kid ended up over there at an FCS school. I, I, I love everything about him. And then my favorite, and I think you even know who I'm gonna say here: Daniel Falele from Minnesota, six foot eight. 385 pounds. <laughs> I mean, they just don't build humans like this. But it's one thing to be that big. It's another thing to be able to play to that weight. Now, Minnesota kept him on the right side. I think that's where he's going to end up here in the pros. And, and maybe, you know, there, there's some stuff, you know, conditioning-wise, depending on which direction they want to go. But he's a guy that you, you think you see a guy that big and you're thinking, okay, you're just going to be able to speed past this kid. He knows how to move in, within his body. And, and being able to play at Minnesota and seeing Big Ten competition, I'm really excited about this kid. And, and to me, when you ask me to start looking through the offensive linemen and start getting my names together, for guys that could potentially be there at the end of the first round, he's one of the ones I'm most excited about just because I think that ceiling with him and potentially what he could become is, is really special.
0: Yeah, seems like, seems like there's – heading into this draft – the wide receiver position seems fairly deep, which has been, which is how it's been for a few years now. Seems like there's maybe a little more depth at the defensive line position than we've seen in recent drafts, and um, and you don't often see uh, offensive tackles, uh, quality first round offensive tackles, last until the latter stages of the first round. But I think some of them, some of them in this draft are going to be there. This is a really intriguing draft for the big guys. And, uh, and I think the Packers have a need to, uh, to stock up a little bit on both sides with regard to the big guys.
1: And that's, and that's going to be the interesting thing to see how these dominoes fall. The Packers are picking 11 times in this draft. I think the most picks that they have set up for going back to maybe 2013, there are a number of different areas they can address. But there's also a lot of flexibility, too, when you have two firsts, two seconds, the third, the fourths. The only pick yeah. that the only time they're not picking right now is the sixth round. Oh, and on the other side of it, they have three in the seventh. Three in the seventh, So yeah. the, the amount of flexibility that Brian is going to have in this draft is unequal to anything he's seen, including when he had the two firsts in 2019. So that, that's why I think that the three days, especially depending on what happens on night one, it's going to be as edge of the seat as it gets for NFL Packers drafts because really anything outside of the top ten is in play. depending on how they want to partner those picks, if they want to move around a little bit. Oh, and then, by the way, now veteran A, B, and C is being potentially attached to Green Bay, too. Could there be a trade on that aspect of it? Get your popcorn ready, folks. (laughs) It is going to be a wild three days.
0: Absolutely, and with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team, all of our coverage of the draft. We've got everything for you Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Stories, videos, commentary, all of it instant reactions. If you want to be following the draft live, stay on our website. Wes and Larry and I are going to be talking about these picks as soon as they're made. We're going to have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.